another episode of Cancer with Craig. I'm your host, Kirk Faulkner, and I'm here with uh, the man himself, Mr. Craig Faulkner. Great to be here. Kirk, this is number 13, isn't it? It's lucky episode number 13. Yes. It's been a little while since we got to sit down here and uh, have a chat. You've been busy. I've been busy. It's but good to be back on the mic. It is good. <laughs> it's good to be back on the microphones <laughs> behind the cans. Or are the cans of the microphones or the cans headphones? I don't know. We got to learn all of our uh, radio. Yeah, golly. (laughs) Let's catch up. How have things been? Things have been great. I have been feeling very good, actually. Very good test results. Our last test that we took, we had a zero M spike, which is the goal. Last episode, we discussed my M spike actually had gone up. So I went from zero M spike to a 0.20, which is not good. And now I'm back down to zero again. All right. So officially so back in remission. I'm officially back in remission. And as I think we discussed last episode, the kind of rude awakening for me is, you know, I really have to take it a month at a time and make sure I stay healthy, make sure that I'm able to take the Revlimid, which is the oral chemo that I'm currently taking. Yeah. You're past the three-month incubation? That's right. Incubation is maybe not the right word. Isolation. (laughs) Isolation, yeah. (laughs) Quarantine. Quarantine, that's Um, it. But you're still kind of trying to keep it a little bit on the down low, not be around too many big crowds. What my oncologist cautions me about is being around a lot of people in a crowded area, people coughing, people sneezing. I have become really obsessed with hand sanitizer, making sure my hands are always clean. You know, I went to church yesterday and I'm keenly aware of people around me coughing, sneezing. Frankly, what I do is if I sit in a group, which I'm very cautious, very careful where I do go still, someone sneezing, coughing, you know, I'll really get up and kind of reposition myself. And if I can't, I still pack around a mask where I'll put the mask on and filter the air. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good look. The Michael Jackson look. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very good look. (laughs) So one thing that you mentioned to me earlier is that, you know, now that you're at a zero M spike, you had a chance to ask your doctor about some side effects. Uh, Yeah, and never do that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You got to be careful what you ask for when you have a multiple myeloma or any illness like this, I guess. You know, I was feeling good, really excited that I'd hit that zero M spike. We were talking about my dose of Revlimid. I said, are there any side effects of Revlimid? I'd done a little research on Revlimid, but really not a lot. I know that it's a very, very potent drug. In fact, Revlimid really is a derivative of thalidomide, which is a drug that was taken a couple of decades ago by pregnant women who were trying to overcome morning sickness. And it actually created deformities in the bone structure of the fetus. And so they discontinued it, but they discovered that it is very effective in treating multiple myeloma patients. Every month that I get my prescription filled, I have to go through two questionnaires that are quite interesting. I won't go into the details. Uh, but they probe uh, they just really don't want it coming in contact with a pregnant woman that's right that a, was, a pregnant that, woman or anyone that could become pregnant that was a pretty horrific scandal and uh, deformities that happened were pretty that, awful yeah it was and so you know I certainly was aware of the history of Revlimid and where it came from I asked my oncologist I said well what are the side effects for me as a multiple myeloma patient 
he kind of looked at me and, and gave me the, do you really want to know? Look, I said, yeah, what are the side effects? And he said, well, secondary cancers. And he said, by the way, you need to start wearing a lot more sunblock because you're getting way too much sun and you're more prone to skin cancer. And I said, okay, well, I can wear more sunblock. And he said, leukemia, you're also more prone to leukemia. And I said, okay. okay. <laughs> he said, also, you could be more prone to kidney failure. And I said, okay, I got it. So now you're wondering... Is the cure actually worse than the disease or I guess probably not, but yeah, it's, not, yeah, you know, it's not great. It's not great, but here's what I think. The treatment of multiple myeloma is taking great leaps and bounds forward. I really do think here in the next two or three years, they'll have even more effective means of keeping people in remission. And I can't really be overly concerned about those side effects until there is a more effective uh, way to manage the remission. I could tell you one thing for certain, having the multiple myeloma attack your bones and your spine like it did is not an option that I want to have to contend with again. Right. Yeah. Kind of up uh, between a rock and a hard place a little yeah. bit there. Yeah, but I'm not really overwhelmed by it at all. I mean, yeah. I have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in the help that I'm receiving from the oncologists and also the strides that are being made to treat this disease. So, plus I don't have any other options right now. Yeah, so, no, so why not be positive about it? <laughs> I actually have noticed that uh, I think you've been in a really good mood the past little while. Uh, you got a new hairdo, you got a new uh, beard and yeah. mustache that's going. It's all kind of working for you. Yeah, yeah. But I do know that you were telling me the other day, I know that in the beginning, when you first were diagnosed, you did a lot of research about multiple myeloma. And then you kind of did a little bit of a blackout for a period where you kind of stopped. Right, right. In the spirit of, you know, tying this discussion into, you know, managing a terminal illness as a long-term project and some takeaways that I think are really applied to life in general. Yeah, I was mentioning this to you the other day that I've kind of dove real deep into research. And then I took a little vacation from that. That actually was right around the time that I decided to have my stem cell transplant. I thought, I am doing this. I'm doing the stem cell transplant. I'll have that dose of chemo you know, put me in the hospital for a couple of weeks. I did. I took a good three months kind of off of really doing research. The other row is, I guess the other week, I started to really delve into research. I was interested in some of the clinical trials that were taking place and some of the other foundations and what they were doing with multiple myeloma. It was interesting. I had spent a couple of hours one night really doing some research and reading about some of the clinical trials, reading about some of the statistics in terms of actual causes of death from multiple myeloma. The number one cause is pneumonia. The number one cause of death from multiple myeloma is pneumonia. And that's kind of makes sense because your immune system is really crushed. You know, when your immune system is weakened, you can't recover from some of these illnesses that you normally would bounce back from. So I had spent a couple of hours one night and the next day I was kind of in a funk. I mean, it was just one of those days where it just kind of felt a little bit dark to me. Towards the end of the day, I thought, you know, this day has just been a drag. You know, I just had been in a funk. And I thought, what was different about that day than the other day? And I thought, you know what? I had spent two hours the night before doing all this research. And I thought, hmm, I've got to be a little bit more guarded on yeah. the information I take in. It really does affect 
my psyche. It got me thinking about how much information we take in, what even positive information. I'm not talking about trashy information. I mean, we know that has a dark influence on us, right? Right. But I'm talking about doing research. Let's say you're starting a business. Let's say you're trying to further your career. You're considering going back to school to further your education. We'll hop in, we'll do a lot of research, and we need to be careful about the information we take in in making these decisions. Yeah. Because sometimes we can take in so much information, in, especially on the internet, it's hard to filter some of that negative information that can come to you. Yeah, it's a real fine line because you definitely want to stay informed. You definitely want to cover your bases. And, you know, nobody wants to come into any situation with not enough information. But at the same time, there's something about the scope of things, especially the way that the internet, like, opens you up to so much, you know, whether it's you're, like, dealing with a cancer and you're getting so much research or you're thinking of starting a business and you see so many examples of people doing something similar to it. Sometimes you need a little bit of tunnel vision. That's right. You know, it was interesting because a couple of nights ago, I watched a really inspiring video. It was a talk that Tom Brokaw gave to a group of multiple myeloma patients and it was a foundation, the Multiple Myeloma Foundation. It was really, really inspiring. And I listened to that. He's had some of the very similar experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. Trouble with his back, and his uh, vertebrae collapsed, etc. And there's an example of really positive information. I was well informed by this presentation that he gave. It made me think about a little model that I've used in business. It's called the RACI model. And the RACI model is R-A-C-I. And it helps you manage projects and people and helps you really wrap your head around how you're going to get something done or how you might proceed in getting something done. Okay, so the acronym RACI, I'm going to start with A. I know that doesn't come first in RACI, but A is a person that is actually accountable for a project or to the organization. So with my illness, I'm ultimately accountable to myself to take care of myself, to search out good medical care. R stands for the person on your team that's responsible for getting the project going and doing the task on the project. Yeah, executing the steps. Yeah, and the person that's responsible for that as a primary responsibility would be my oncologist, Dr. Ball. He does a great job. He's responsible, but I also have responsibility. And the interesting thing about the RACI model is you can be a person that's accountable overall in charge of the project, but you can also have an Mm -hmm. R and be responsible for some functions. The C stands for the person or individuals that you consult with Mm -hmm. to get a project done. In this case, it would be Dr. Ball, it would be Dr. Ackerman, who's my GP, and it would be myself, and it would be also other individuals that I've consulted with. Right. I think of Bob Carter, who was an individual that I reached out to at UCSD, who was head of their um, neurology department. He since has gone to Harvard and heading up their pediatric neurology department, and he's been a great person to consult with, also a good friend of mine. Dr. Phil Mathis, who is an ER doc, brilliant guy. He's been a great guy to consult with. And then there's the I, and that's people that are informed. 
And the people that I want to inform about my progress are, of course, the good people listening to this podcast. podcast. And then also uh, people that I try to keep closely informed are family members and friends, uh, how I'm doing. So the racing model is a great model to use as you manage short-term or long-term projects. Mm -hmm. Think of who's accountable, who's responsible, who are you going to consult, and who are you going to keep informed. You know, to tie it back into the information overload that we were talking about, I think the nice thing about the RACI model is if you identify where you are in the model, like who's responsible, you can start to narrow down what it is you need to know, like what's important for you to be taking in. And that's a good way to limit the scope of your information intake. So you're not, there's people who are responsible who are staying up on information and letting you know what you need to know. And that's a way that you can kind of stem the flow of too much stuff coming at you. Again, I don't want to leave anyone with the impression that's listening that I'm not a big proponent of staying informed and furthering your your knowledge base, your education, etc. But I do think we need to guard against information overload, against taking in the wrong types of information, any kind of information that causes you and turns you to inaction from my way of thinking about things, is not good information that leaves you with a dark feeling, causes you to kind of sputter along in life. That is not good content or good information to take in. Yeah, it should be leading you towards decisions, not making decisions more difficult. That's right. That's right. It's very, very happy about the progress we're making. You know, this is not a sprint. It is definitely a marathon or a series of marathons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm super excited that your M spike's still at zero and things seem to be going pretty well. I think I mentioned to you, maybe I didn't. I kind of rewarded myself with a little purchase recently. Oh, what was that? Actually, I traded in my old motorcycle. I know some of you who are listening are going to think I'm absolutely crazy. Okay, and I probably am. But you know, I had that BMW uh, GS. It was an adventure bike. It was really a tall bike. And with my back kind of bothering me, I couldn't swing my leg over to get on it. So I traded it in for a lower motorcycle. It's a sport touring bike that fits me really, really well. And my back is feeling good enough now where I actually can go on some, you know, hour, two hour rides and get back on the bike. Well, I'm sure your doctors maybe wouldn't love that, but I can't imagine that our listeners would begrudge you the opportunity to have some moments of freedom right now. That's right. So we'll keep you posted on how that all uh, (laughs) turns out. (laughs) We're going to have to change the name to Traction with Craig. (laughs) Let's hope not. Well, I had posted a picture of your other motorcycle as one of the episode previews. So I'll take a picture of this motorcycle and put it as this episode's preview. Oh, good. Yeah. And I'll also get that link to that Tom Brokaw speech and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. That's a fascinating talk that he gave. It's very inspirational. I've got a lot of respect for him as a journalist and as a human being. I think that he, you know, still has a lot to offer. Very positive gentleman. Yeah. You know, I've been working with the racy model for a while, so I'm a fan of it too. So I'll definitely find some resource somewhere to let people so that they can 
can go and read a little bit more about that. And I think that really is an awesome tool that you can use when you're planning projects and building businesses. That's right. It really does help keep a project on track, helps you not spin your wheels and helps you determine, you know, how to best use your time and everybody else's time that's involved in a project. Awesome. Well, anything else we need to cover today? You know, I don't think so. We will be back. Let's not take as much time off yeah. uh, from the podcast this last time. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to be back a lot sooner. We love doing this and uh, it's always great to sit down and talk with you. All right. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.